Iced tea. Go a cappella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. I have I love I, it. You way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. She is Olivia Munn. Drop my name as much as you can. By the way, I am a first-class name dropper. The great, legendary John Madden. And then on the phone, Steve Marriott. She's- <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is that? Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I sniffed that out. I sniffed that out. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. It's a Hall of Fame week edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Thanks for downloading us once again. So much fun in store this weekend and so much to talk about on this version of the show. We've got Joe Horrigan, the Vice President of Communication and Exhibits at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. He is a man who is as integral to the process of the enshrinement ceremony and the selection of the group as anybody on planet Earth. And he, once again, as he's been doing pretty much every year, will join us to give set the table, to give us an idea of what to expect when Curtis Martin and the rest of the 2012 enshrinement class gets their busts and yellow jackets this week, and we get to show you Arizona and New Orleans in the first preseason game of 2012 in the Hall of Fame game on NFL Network Sunday night at 8 Eastern time. Also on this show, as only this show can do, putting two people together that you'd never think should be put together anywhere on the planet, it is Dak Shepard, the actor and director and former comedian and now producer and writer, uh, the uh, one of the co-stars of Parenthood on NBC. You've known him from Punked years ago. The husband of Kristen Bell, who is also in his new movie, Hit and Run, hitting the movie theater near you on August 24th. Please go see that. And Dak Shepard will be on this podcast as well. My two Chris's, good to see you. Chris Law, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Rich. Chris Brockman, good to see you Rich, as Rich, well. one quick question. Is Kristen Bell going to be here? Well, I mean, uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I don't think so. She is not, as they would say, scheduled to ah, appear. Okay. Uh, will you still stick around for Dax, though, please? I will stick around for Dax. Oh, yeah. stick yes, yes, I will. I'll stick around. But Greatly I was just wondering, it. that would have made it a little bit, you know what I mean, a little icing on the cake, so to speak. Well, maybe hopefully Dax's experience here will go smoothly. And, One would hope. And he will then tell his wife when her next movie, of other course. than the one that she's in with him, right. uh, comes out. Uh, maybe she'll be prone to come on NFL Media's uh, podcast uh, right here. I like it. We love or it. Or the NFL Media Podcast Studios or the premiere NFL, NFL Network. Media she'll come on NFL Network. Maybe we'll do that. Do the whole kit and I was going to say NFL Media's number one podcast. That, that's what I was going to say. Well, you wouldn't be lying. No. But I don't want to start anything with people in here. Don't, well, I mean, the 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 line was the law the line was drawn in the sand when the outrage came from TD stepping in right by the yeah by the for you by the Damashekites. so yeah and uh, when TD stepped in for you yes. that's when uh, Chris Brockman and I stepped in front of the cameras on the set of the league for oh, an, uh, an undisclosed um, lo- at an undisclosed location right. for a currently uh, unmentionable air date. And also a secret uh, co-star 
fellow cameo a couple, cast. A few. Yeah, that we can't mention right now either. That's when that happened. And the only reason why I bring this up is not to rub it in Chris Law's face. Of course not. Why would we do that? Because never, this, this, never. Could, this was an unmovable time in order to shoot this thing. Iron and he was clad. on vacation. Uh, I bring this up to uh, send everybody to our podcast website, richeisen.nfl.com, to go to the uh, poll question, which I think is my favorite poll question we've ever put up there. It's fantastic. Which is, which would you rather do? Would you do what Chris Brockman did, which is appear on an episode of The League uh, in a cameo role, or what Chris Law did, which was hang out with the Andrews sister, uh, Andrew sisters, Aaron and Kendra, after an Adam Sandler movie premiere at a swanky post party. Can you update what we have right now? Here we are uh, midweek, but prior to the Hall of Fame weekend. I can. We have some fresh poll results. Uh, last night it was a 70-30, Brockman was telling me, in favor of my experience, the uh, Sandler premiere and Aaron Andrews. Uh-huh. The current results, though, have shifted uh, dramatically, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, 48.62% of the people out there say they would rather... Uh, have had my experience of hanging oh, with Aaron Andrews. Oh, which would go which would go fifty one point four. Fifty one point four, exactly, are in uh are in wow. Brockman's corner. Interestingly enough, we have two comments that are that are quite interesting. Okay, what do you got? <laughs> Can, are they mentionables? They're meant well, yeah, they're mentionables. Okay. Uh this would be an easy question. This is from the that man. Okay. And he says this would be an easy question if it was simply a TV show or go to a party with Aaron Andrews. The only problem is I would have to watch an Adam Sandler movie. Oh. Ouch. Oh, wow. Maybe not mentionable. Okay. Next one is Mondo. I think the poll results would be completely different if you would have added the fact that you left out Kendra Andrews into the mix. Mm. Kendra. So I'm telling you, it's Kendra not just Andrews. Aaron, it's Kendra, too. It Maybe was. we should change the poll question uh, wording. The Andrews sisters. But just leave it for Aaron at this point. We'll leave it with Aaron. Okay. So uh, be um, sure to go to richeisen.nfl.com and vote on that. Yeah, vote on that. Of course. Um, later on in this podcast, we're going to give away more Punters Are People 2 t-shirts to the Facebook crowd. Yes. And I will also make an announcement on uh, on the future of these t-shirts. There really? Is, there's news. We have an update? There's breaking news. Oh, breaking, breaking news. And right. then, and then uh, Brockman's always exciting. International. Highly anticipated. International shout out of the We way. need to get this sponsored by like Royal Cruise Line or something. I saw on the uh, <laughs> something that goes up uh, on ad sales. I was watching uh, a little bit of NFL AM. Uh, I think the day it launched and damn, what it, time were you up? I know. Well, it re it reruns out here. Oh, it does. So, yeah, it it goes um, uh, three to seven, and then it went seven to nine that day because uh, okay, inside it was training the, camp it hadn't started. Oh, okay. Yet. okay, but uh, they had an international tweet. And uh, the host, the host, almost stole the word an international shout out from. I need to get us. that copyrighted. But, yeah, you got a copyright. If, if NFL AM is going to steal that, that's that's not. You know right. what? I went on the set of NFL AM the other day. Okay. And noticed Mark Kriegel's book is on the set. It's part of the set. So because you know they've got all sorts of pop culture items on this. Right. Be- it's a beautiful new set. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, game day morning is also going to. We're going to be on that too. They're just going to switch out the desk, and there'll be no couches. It'll mm. just be a different look. But how, the- how much did you pay the utility guy to slide well, yours? No, in no, it's not. I'm, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you can do it yourself. I'm, I'm making this announcement right now. I mean, Kriegel. Kriegel's done how many shows for this network now? Three. Yep. Right. Three. Three. Not counting the the endless promotions. Obviously, he's done a lot of hits and what have you. And his book's already on Which book was television. it? Yeah, well, Namath. The Namath Incredible book, right? book. I have it. One of the all t- It's yeah, a great It's great. Book. Great book. And uh, that documentary that the HBO made based yep. on it, super. I'm not saying it's not deserving of a spine-out treatment on the air. But, I mean, you know, 
I've, I've, I can't even, I've lost track of the number of shows that I've done. <laughs> this you know, week. I've mentioned, I've, I've been able to slide the book on, on the air every now and then. It's been on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Because it has. Larry yes. David spined that, yes. spined that thing out. He did. On Curb. Thanks to Jeff Schaefer, our Let, friend from the league. Let's see if we can get it in and not tell anyone and see well, how I already long. just did. I just did tell them. Well, yeah. Well, well you, you went and told, you, you went I'm not going to do it for NFL. Yeah, no, for, for the first Sunday morning NFL uh, Oh, okay. I thought you were going to try and slide it on the AM set. No, no. That, that, that's, that's their... That's their that's you, know, their you know what you should do? You should somehow go down there and, not it's, and, and fix it so it's not spine out, but it's cover up. Cover up. Well, I mean, because I'm running the 40. Right. And just see if mm. anybody notices. I might just do it in the most obvious way during a segment on game day morning, just, week one. Just pull. I just pull it out and say, "This is what I'm going to do," and follow, you know. And of course, I'll tell the producers and director beforehand. Dave Follow, the new director. The last thing I want to do in his first Excellent. show. Excellent. Follows directing. Yeah, this you know year? Game day morning. I did mm-hmm. not know that. Yeah. yeah. Good for the him. Last thing I want to do for Follower on his first show is just you know get up out of my <laughs> seat. <laughs> in an unscripted manner, and go to an unlit spot on the set. You could talk to Big Game James, have him just follow, follow you with the steady I don't know if he's doing the morning show. No. You know. What about this? We get an extra 15 Punter or People 2 t-shirts printed up black, mm. and every utility on the set Is wears wearing them a on game day morning. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one right there. That's what to do. Because we've got a lot, we've got, got a lot coming. Got a lot coming, uh, or at but, least get one on the set well, somewhere. Uh, I've got, like I said, I don't want to. Uh, later on, after the Dak Shepard conversation, okay, punters are people to information T-shirts because people are going nuts for that. Thankfully, it's been very nice ever since Brian Anger wore it, signing his contract. Uh, okay, let's get to it. This is going to be a fun week. You're going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, right? Long I am. I will be that. there. Uh, <clears throat> you will be th- there Thursday evening, this okay. evening through uh, through Monday. Okay. You're yes. about to get on a plane. Yes, uh, I saw you also tweeted off, tweeted out as 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 uh, threatened your your Tuesday schedule. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I did. Your five your five meeting day on, it, on Thursday. I don't know if you Tuesday. noticed there were two meetings canceled that were then replaced with other meetings. Wow! On so there. technically there was a seven, a total of seven. Yeah, actually only five executed. Impressive. Uh, so you'll be there in Brockman. You will be here. I so will. the highlight that I will be calling. Will be a Brockman produced uh, production. Okay, there you go. That's, so some, there, that's some quality inside. And football so, if you right have there. any notes for the shot sheet, Rich, you can email me directly. No, no, no. Just I, I don't know what I, I could tell you. What it's going to be right now? It'll be anything that Breeze did, <laughs> anything that Cobb did, anything get, that Larry Fitzgerald. Get ready did. for a Joe Vit ISO and off a the Joe Vit ISO <laughs> off the top. <laughs> yes. Yeah, look at Joe Vit ISO off the top. And I'll tell you we'll, right and now, then we'll, and then and then any 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 play over ten yards in the right. first quarter will make it. Maybe a touchdown, a big hit, and then the, and then the final the whatever might be a game ending play. I'll tell you, your two ISOs off the top, Rich, will be Joe Vitt and Drew Brees if you want to start writing go. some comments. Or if there's a pregame moment with the commissioner and Drew Brees on the field. Perhaps. We'll be, we'll be keeping an eye peeled on that as, as Brees just keeps putting RG1 on, on blast. blast. Full blast. Surprised he's doing that. but um, Why? Don't, why would you be surprised? I mean, I think he's back in his guys. He's back in his union. He's, he's, he's his, Like you've said, though, RG1 doesn't doesn't say these things or do it without evidence. He's not just going to be libel or slander. Well, it's the process yeah. that they're railing against, too. Can Brockman add in, if we take a few T-shirts to the Hall of Fame, say two or three, and we give them out to some fans <laughs> in the front row, 
We'll get one of the camera guys to just shoot them. Cut, so the feed cutaway? comes back, and a, a cutaway, cutaway can be oh, a fans in the front row. Of people do huh? shit. This huh? is like when uh, Jeff Hornacek used to. Do we to... have enough left, though, is the question. Because Hornacek... we're giving a lot yeah. away, and, and, and supply is limited for the moment. We can take three, I think. We'll okay. get three. And it's like when Hornacek would you know, pet the side of his face before a free throw to say hi to his kids. Hi to his kid. That's right. That'll Jeff be, Hornacek would did. That'll would be your, that. your little. It was Jeff Hornacek, yeah. Right. Yeah, Hornacek. Or, or, um, or uh, Doug Christie yeah. did that thing to his wife. <laughs> I was for his after, wife. After every after single, she beat the crap out of uh, out of out of Shaq's wife play. in one of the best preseason NBA brawls of all time. Oh, Remember man. that? That was great. Like I think one of them came out like with like Ruth Buzzy with her with her with her with, the with a pocketbook oh, yeah. swinging it. Yeah, that's a strong move by the by the female side. The pocketbook swing weighted down mm-hmm. could do some mm-hmm. damage. That was back when my my wife Susie was covering the Lakers. Uh. She was right near that tunnel. She's got a good story about all that stuff. Yeah, when are we going to get Suze on here? We need Susie on here. All right. Got to get her on. No, sounds good. I think she'll come on at one point. When she's got something to promote. <laughs> That's coming, by the way. That's coming. Uh, all right, let's get now to the conversation at hand. The Pro Football Hall of Fame induction weekend coming right up. NFL Network all over. It's starting at 4 Eastern time on Saturday, covering your enshrinement Saturday. We've got the Pro Football Hall of Fame game on Sunday night at 8 Eastern time. A big weekend coming up on the network. Let's get to the man who knows all about it. He is the vice president of communications and exhibits at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, a longtime friend of this network and a friend of this program, and I just a flat-out friend, Joe Horgan, joining the podcast. How are you, Joe? I'm terrific, Rich. Big weekend. Here we are again. Yeah, here it is again. It seems like you just left. So uh, I guess let's let's start with the macro. Let's start with the Mm -hmm. macro. Uh, How many volunteers from the uh, wonderful county of Stark County, Ohio, uh, has the Hall of Fame gathered to pull off this weekend again? Yeah, there are over 4,000 volunteers annually who do this. And, you know, a lot of them are the same people come back year in, year in, year in, year out. They're in for the, you know, the full run. It's an amazing accomplishment. It really is. And, and you know, we, we say it to them all the time, and I'm sure they've heard so much they doubt we really are sincere when we say it, but we are. We couldn't do it without them, truly. And we are uh, chatting on the Wednesday before the enshrinement weekend but the entire celebration has already begun, correct? It started last weekend? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's about a a nine-day, 19-event celebration. Uh, Over that period of time, we have 750,000 participants in the various events. It's it's, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, what are the the 19? You you got a ribs cook-off, right? There's ribs, there's there's concerts, there's fireworks. Uh, There's fireworks, seems like there's fireworks every night. There's uh, the Grand Parade, there's the Community Parade, there's Hot Air Balloon Competition, there's uh, the Gold Jacket Dinner, which you're very familiar with. Yes. There's the Enshrining Roundtable. Uh, obviously, the, uh, the key to the, all of this is the Enshrinement Ceremony itself. There's the Hall of Fame game, uh, the Enshrining's Roundtable, uh, and we have this brilliant MC for yes. that this year. And, uh, and that person, who would that person be, Joe? That that, that would be you, Rich. Thank you so much. Uh, and, uh, you know. Well, you've always been kind to have me part of the, the weekend as best you can. And um, last year, the enshrinement dinner, uh, I hosted that, I believe, for the second or the third time. Yep. And to me, that, I mean, and this is no disrespect to the actual enshrinement mm-hmm. ceremony itself. But to me, the enshrinement dinner is the right. highlight of the weekend to me. 
uh, because that's when the enshrinees receive their jackets for the first time, right in the middle of the, uh, what, the Canton Civic Center, correct, in downtown correct. Canton, yeah. Ohio. Yeah. There's right. about 4,000 people that are there in that place. And you just feel you just feel the energy and you see the emotions for the first time. Like it's sort of dawning on these guys that the, the moment yeah. is arriving for them. Yeah, you're right. And it has a lot of elements. And, and this is not meant to be I'm not trying to be a, a flattering contest here. But I, I personally think that last year was the best one we had. And you were the MC. And it was really it really was a, a great job done by you. But we had Thank uh, you. great, great. No, I'm serious because. You know, we judge how well we do by how well others do. So when you do well, we look good. So, <laughs> Well, my, my so, philosophy on these things are get people in and out and have a good time in the process. And I, entertain. What, I mean, and obviously you what can What was the out them, time but, last year? What, what, I think it was like 9, 10, 9, 15. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was as close to being on time as we've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> that, so you that was my job as far as i'm concerned is to keep That's the trains right. running on time but obviously the enshrinees are, are the stars of this thing yeah. and last year there were some incredible personalities uh yeah. from dion marshall shannon sharp um and then uh, ed sable what a crowning achievement yeah. that was for him and his family in nfl yeah. films this year you've got another illustrious group uh, i'd love for you to run down these guys for us and what you're what you're expecting and hoping to see out of this enshrinement yeah class. I, before i do i want to just go back to that dinner because you, oh, you sure. set something up and i really okay. didn't comment on it, but i should because you go know the it. the emotion in that gold jacket dinner really is at a peak you know because they don't know when they get to town really what to expect and that's really the first event where they're facing the public and they get caught up in the emotion really quickly for two reasons. One is they go out in the center of the stage with all the glitter, that, you know, the lights and cameras that are, that are going. But then all the returning Hall of Famers, up to 80 of them, are coming up on stage with them one at a time, you know, chest thumping and high-fiving and all that. <laughs> and that is, it, it's a great moment. You know, for the average fan, here in Canton, the folks that see this, you know, frequently, they're, you know, they're kind of used to it. But for the public, you know, the new people that are coming in with the class, you know, their friends and family, they're seeing these great Hall of Famers and they're saying, you know, my God, you know, there's, you know, Larry Little, there, there's, you know, uh, Howie Long. And, you know, there's just one after the other after the other. So it's a great entertaining thing for football fans. But the Hall of Famers all of a sudden realize I'm a part of that exclusive fraternity. And I think that's really the first time it hits them. But then the other real high-pitched emotional moment is having their presenter. presenter the person that they've selected to present them on Saturday, they're the ones that gets to put that gold jacket on them. And that, you know, like John Madden said, he had his sons, and that was, you know, the highlight of the, the weekend for him to have his, you know, his son on the stage there with him involved in the whole thing. So it really is a great emotional moment. I think that the enshrinement ceremony itself is the peak, but that was sure. really, it really sets the tenor for everything. Well, obviously, really that's, that's the moment when it becomes official. Um, right. But, but I guess, and, and I, guess the, I was speaking from somebody who's been fortunate to be at this event every year. In fact, uh, we, we went to this event as a network before the network even launched. In, right. two, in the yeah. summer of 2003, we shot some interviews in the, in the, in the gallery uh, with the busts all around us. And we weren't even on the air yet. And I remember walking around and people were like, what is NFL Network? You know, and it was because <laughs> we had yet to exist. So we were there in 03, which yep. was also a special year uh, because I believe that was uh, the 40th. Yep. Uh, the 40th yep, you're anniversary. Right. It was our, yeah, that's correct. Right. Because the 50th uh, sort of, I guess, technically is going to be coming up next year in 2013. Yep. Uh, but that was a special – there was tons of guys back, and I just remember uh, seeing the jacket ceremony for the first time. I'd never seen it before. 
And just every year, seeing like last year, the Sharp Brothers hug, mm-hmm. oh. uh, and 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 I, th- I thought that moment was going to push me off of being on time for the event, Joe, because they, <laughs> they embraced for a very. <laughs> Very long you know, time. You, you can't tell them to break it up mercy. either. No, you're at the mercy of those guys. It's kind of the same way on Saturday with their speech. You know, <laughs> we try to coach them through there, but oh, I'm I'm going to be on time. I'm going to be on time. And they look out and they see their mother, and all of a sudden, everything they it's lose over. it. That's it. It's done. Yep. It, so yeah, we can only control what we control, Rich. You know that. I know. Right. And then one year, one of my favorite moments when you're talking about family was the year that Hank Schramm was finally enshrined in the Pro Football right. Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, he was in, in advanced years and his his speech was pre-taped for the actual right. enshrinement ceremony. Um, but he got up there at the jacket dinner yep. and his son sort of helped him walk around the podium right. and they had a group hug and a group cry. Yep, and exactly. you just can't I mean, you just cannot script that sort of stuff. No, you can't. And to a person, even those that do break down, some of them suspect they might. But there's a lot of tough guys who don't think that's going to happen to yeah. them. And all of a sudden that just starts streaming. You know, you, you know, it is it's it's a highly emotional moment because this is something where I think to a person, I think every Hall of Famer realizes when they get on that stage, either at the gold jacket or the enshrinement ceremony, they didn't get there alone. And all of a sudden, that becomes a real sense of reality for them, whether it's their family, their friends, their teammates, whatever it is. Something usually triggers them to get into that emotional phase that you know, we all love seeing. But it is, um, you know, it is truly emotional. Let's get to the enshrinement class. And I always mm-hmm. love the sort of randomness of it. Like the, the, the classes yeah. are always filled with guys that you'd never think would be associated with one another. And it's just yeah. the sort of random nature of when they're selected and how they, how they get from... Uh, from the selection process to become an actual enshrinee. And I'd love for yeah. you to give your your thoughts on uh, the class of 2012 for this year's enshrinement ceremony. Yeah, well, obviously the first thing we always say is every class is a great class or they wouldn't have been elected to the Hall of Fame. So that's a given. But what makes this class unique, I think, is they're already calling themselves kind of the blue-collar class. We're talking about some offensive linemen and defensive linemen, one of the most humble running backs that have ever played the game, one of the greatest running backs, but so humble and, and such an interesting story. And then Jack Butler, who's literally been eligible for the Hall of Fame for 50 years. Mm. So, you know, we've got these guys that uh, there's this true sense of, you know, like an offensive lineman like Willie Rofe. You know, they live in relative obscurity, and all of a sudden they're thrust into, you know, the limelight and the, and the feature guy for a change. This is a, a, something they're very unfamiliar with. So I think that's kind of the theme and the feel we're getting for this class. And then same way with Jack Butler. You know, he went to bed the night that, uh, that he was elected asking his son, are you really sure I'm elected? You know, he was, you know, after 50 years, you wonder if this is a joke or if there's phase two that I have to get through yet or something. So there's this real sense of, boy, I, I've done something and this is really unique. And, and the guys, just so we have, you know who we're talking about, Jack Butler, Dermani Dawson, Chris Dolman, Willie Rofe, Cortez Kennedy, and uh, um, Curtis uh, Martin. Curtis Martin. Boy, I did. Who, by the way, you know, as, as you point out, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, if you had to name the four players to rush for more than 14,000 career yards, yeah. you'd get three of the four. You'd, you'd sure get Emmett, win. you'd get Walter Payton, you'd get Barry Sanders, and then you'd sit there and go, who's that fourth? Yep. Who's yep. that fourth? And then yep. when you hear it's Curtis Martin, the reaction it's, would be, huh. 
No kidding. Well, when did that happen? Yeah, why, did, why, why didn't he tell us he was good? You know, I mean, and, and everybody that dealt with Curtis and, you know, let's face it, he's in a tough media market in New York. Right. Everybody that ever dealt with the man has nothing but high praise for his character, for his cooperation, for his humility. And, and we've seen it here. I mean, there couldn't be anything that we've asked this class to do. And we put them through the grinder. They've been so cooperative and so appreciative of everything that's being done for them. So since we know it won't be Curtis, who's going to be the talker of this group? There always seems to be one. Who's going to be well, the... Well, you know, it's, it's, again, we're dealing with some guys that um, they're, they're not used to speaking. Right. So, you know, I don't think any of them are going to get up there with the intent of being long. Sometimes it happens. But uh, Curtis has a speech, and he has such a story to tell. And he's told it before, but I think Curtis is, is going to be the one that's going to be the most riveting in the sense of he's polished at how he delivers it and you know, having had the experience of doing it. Uh, but the others, I, I, I think they're going to, you know, probably surprise some folks with, with what their personal stories are. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jack Butler, I mean, it's hard to get him to say something beyond hello. Is that <laughs> so, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a very, very quiet man, and, and he's, he's the Chris Hamburger of this class, if you will. Well, you Hamburger was year. a cut-up, though. I mean, he Dion, stole Dion, the day. And that's part of the randomness again. Like, Chris Hamburger right. and Dion Sanders, you'd never put those two guys <laughs> together in a sentence in a million years. Nope. But you, they were in the same sentence last year because of, of how they were well, like, it, they were like the same year. And the two of them it, became best buds. Like, they call each yeah. other from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, they were planning a pajama party on stage, <laughs> as you recall. <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, this may not be the place to talk about that, guys. But, you know, all right, if this is what suits you, I guess. But, yeah, you, you wouldn't put them in the same set. You might not want to put them in the same room. Right. I mean, they're so different. They loved each they, other. Oh, they were terrific. And, and Jack's a lot of that, too. He's, he's very old school in the sense of, you know, this is a guy that played in the 50s. Uh, Compared to somebody that's playing more contemporary, the game's changed. And, you know, the rivalry between the uh, old veterans versus the new younger players. You sure. know, everybody is overpaid and didn't play as hard as, as the old guy. That, that's always the argument. I've heard it from every generation moving forward. So that's not any different this year. But, again, I think that's the fun in this thing. Really, when you get somebody to balance, you know, the equation a little bit. One question is, I was with Dermani Dawson and, and Jack at a uh, function together, and somebody asked a question about agents. And Jack kind of looked at him like, oh, you know, what the heck are you talking about agents? I didn't have an agent. I had a right. wife, but That's no right. agent, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I can't answer that question. Different but, times. Is, is, yeah, is Jack Butler the oldest living in Shriney? No, as a matter of fact, uh, we had this year our first Hall of Famer ever to hit 100, Ace Parker. Okay. He's now 100 years old. And Ed Sable is 90. That's right, believe, of course. 92. Ed Sable was 90 last year. Yeah, I think he's going to hit 92. But anyway, Ralph Wilson, who will be here... As part of another event that's happening, he's going to be 93. So, 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 in, so in relation, Jack Butler's a, a whippersnapper. He's a, he's a yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but <laughs> that's uh, right. mentioning Ralph, if you don't mind, I'll just tell Please. you why. Uh, I mean, Ralph's obviously coming as a Hall of Famer, but we are also uh, having a ribbon cutting ceremony for our new junior Pro Football Research and Preservation Center, which is a long title for uh, our new archives that was built uh, largely because of the kind donation that Ralph made. Uh, to make it happen, but it's a 10,000 square foot facility that is going to house our more than 20 million page document collection and our two-dimensional object collection. Where do you wonderful? Where, wonderful where is there room for this, Joe? Are you well, still? Well, we added. You, you won't see, you won't recognize the place when you get here, Rich. We went from 86,000 square feet to 118,000 from last year and to we're this not year. Done. From last year to this year, and as soon as you leave this year, we're going to gut out another 17,000 and renovate some space. Uh, that's a continuation of what we started no in 2007. Kidding. Wow. Yeah. So how many people are going to go through the turnstiles this weekend, do you expect? 
Well, we hope a lot. You know, it's it's hard to project, but you know, there'll be thousands through. I mean, it, it always is a very big weekend. But what we're hoping, and we, we know already from what we've been seeing, is we're going to capitalize on the changes of the exterior of the building that is just drawing people into just out of curiosity. Is My God, what happened? This was all different. And the promotion we're doing, you know, this is, as you alluded to, this is the start of our 50-year celebration. So starting with this Hall of Fame weekend, going through next uh, August of next Hall of Fame weekend, we're celebrating our 50-year celebration, which mm -hmm. includes a lot of things, but, uh, you know, we'll be announcing them as we go along, and one of which is a... Pro Football Hall of Fame 50th Anniversary book. That would so, be great. A lot of good things happening. And um, I can't help but notice who's presenting Curtis Martin and how he could have been part of this group in yep. Bill Parcells. He was a finalist. He did not make this cut. Yeah. Uh, and I'd love for you to hit on this subject because there's so much discussion about the number of guys that are allowed into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's capped at seven every single year. And a lot of people think more guys should get in. And yep. the, the, the selection process is sort of a head-scratcher in many ways because many people think that personalities definitely matter. Mm -hmm. And I'd right. love for you to have the stage on this from okay. your perspective, being with the Hall and having nothing to do with the selection process except right. the announcement of it. Right. But I'd love to get your thoughts on what you think of this, Joe. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, I, I administer the process, so I'm right. really intimately involved in it from, you know, how well, we Well, I mean, it. I, 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 I said you're not part of the selection itself. You yeah. don't vote. Yeah, we, no, no, no what you're I, that's, right. That was my inartful way of saying that. Thank God. Yeah, thank God I don't either. Um, here, here's the, you know, the bottom line, and, and it's a, without going into the long detail of it, but our process, like no other process, it's a year-round process. We start, as you know, Rich, we, we've had them announced on NFL Network on many occasions, but we start with a preliminary list. Uh, that we announce in September, but we've been working on it from the announcement of the class in February at the Super Bowl right up to that sep September date. We're gathering nominations from either those that had sufficient support the previous year or new nominations we receive, and we gather all that information. We share it with our 44-member selection committee, which is 32 members of the media from the 32 NFL geographical regions of the franchises, and then we have uh, another 11 at-large representatives of the media who and, are more regional or national. And do you ahead, choose, and do you choose, does the hall choose who those people are or who chooses yeah, we who work those people with, are? Well, we, we ultimately, our board of trustees ultimately have the uh, authority to choose and approve. Obviously we bring the recommendation to them because they're not necessarily familiar with the people that we're talking about, but we'll work with the clubs. Uh, we'll work with the selectors themselves on recommendations. We'll work with uh, previous selectors so that we, we, know that we're getting the best available. Now, there's some restrictions in the sense that because we're dealing with geographical representatives, some cities are going to have less of a candidate pool than others. So we do have some selection um, restrictions there. But that's why we supplement, if you will, in our, our committee with what we call the at-large selectors so that we can build get a good uh, regional and geographical balance by supplementing with these national guys. And then we build again. I didn't finish who the 44 were, but there was the 32, then the 11, then there's one uh, of the highest-ranking officer, the pro football writers. They are the, they're the people that vote, and you know we review them every year. There's people that come on, go off, so on. We have alternates where we can. And they're the ones that are ultimately going to take that preliminary list, vote it down to 25, we prepare you know, all the statistical biographical information for those 25, send it back to them and say, get it down to 15. And then we take those 15, add them to the two senior nominees that are determined by a subcommittee. We go in that meeting, as you know, on Saturday before the Super Bowl, 
All 44 selectors are there, and one by one they'll go through those 17 finalists, reducing or first voting on the two seniors up or down. We don't know the results. The accountants collect the ballots, leave the room. Then we go into a uh, discussion of all 15 Modern Era finalists. They'll go through, reduce that to 10. The accountants collect those ballots, disappear, come back, tell us who the 10 remaining candidates are. We go into further discussion, vote that down to five. Again, they disappear, come back, tell us who the five are. And then we, if necessary, we'll talk further on it. By then, we're pretty much talked out. It's about eight hours later. We'll go up or down on each of the five remaining. They have to get 80% positive vote to be elected. No more than those five modern era and those two seniors can be elected, making a total of seven. And that's when we hand the envelope to Steve Perry at the uh, opening uh, on live on NFL Network. Yep. Read the results. Now, uh, I have some questions based on that. Let's yep. go back to the selectors. Uh, mm-hmm. The selectors volunteer them, th- themselves for duty should there be an opening in their city. Let's say the Tampa, yeah. Tampa Bay uh, area mm-hmm. spot opens. Do you okay. recruit somebody from a local newspaper, from a local TV station? Does somebody raise yeah. their hand to the person who no longer <laughs> does it for whatever reason, suggests somebody? How does, how does somebody yeah, what, get selected to be a selector? Okay, what usually happens, and usually we have plenty of time to know that either somebody's going to retire or some circumstance in his, his career may have changed. So we usually have time to prepare for this. And we try to have, if not a formal alternate, we have a pretty good idea of who the uh, media are in that region. We'll start polling the first, we'll go to the team and say, all right, on, of, the, of the folks that cover your, your team specifically, this is the geographical region we're going to rely on him to be most knowledgeable on. You know, who is the strength there in your community, in your media community? We'll talk to the outgoing selector and say, you know, is there somebody behind you? You know, maybe your competition, and they're very frank sometimes, about who's the best qualified. We'll poll other people, you know, whether it's other selectors, the pro football writers, and a lot of them we know ourselves, obviously, and frankly, a lot of guys campaign to get on the committee, so we really do know where the strength is. Sometimes it does happen, and this is more a problem of the small media markets, whereas I say the candidate pool is smaller. So it becomes a little more challenging at times. So it's also why when we, you know, when we choose not only the geographical selector, you know, we do the best we can, obviously, and we usually get very, very dedicated people. But we also then look when we're filling those at large so that, for instance, uh, I won't pick on any particular city, but let's say that we have a new selector coming in from a region or from a a geographical region. And if we had an opening in the at large, we might say, well, we want somebody strong in that region as well until this person matures into the process and into the system. Mm -hmm. So we're always looking to, you know, to support what we have. Uh, It's been we've been very, very lucky in some instances where some uh, previously uh, elected selector or chosen selector has moved to a new market, and we know how good he does his work and so on or her work. We have two uh, women on our selection committee yep. now, too. So, and, they, and, Rich, I can't emphasize how much I mean this and sincerely mean this. They are so diligent. If you could see the reams and reams of paper they well, can yeah, be meeting with. That's what I want to get into also because mm-hmm. it is in, in many ways a thankless task, all right, because every, oh, no, everybody's no always going to talk about who snubbed, who got in, who didn't, and it's a right. long day on a long Super Bowl week. I mean, that is a long right. day. Uh, right. But you are in the room, correct, when, when the yeah. discussions mm-hmm. oh, yeah. are going down. Uh, do you say at any point to these selectors – who I know they've been through the process over and over again. Many of them sure. are veterans of this thing. Do you say to them, take personality and off-the-field issues 
mm-hmm. off the table? Oh, do yeah. you specifically instruct the jury, so to not, speak? In not that only way? do we instruct them, we stop them if they start going there. Uh, you stop them. You stop the conversation if they start going yes. there. Yep. Yeah. And it, you know, it has happened. You know, where you know emotions get high, and sometimes somebody will say something. You know, it's almost like being a judge. You know, the judge will tell the jury disregard that remark. We remind our selectors always through the course of the meeting that the only thing you're here to judge and, and consider is what that player or coach or contributor did on the field or in the case of the front office or in the coach's meeting, whatever it might be, the results. That personality, off-the-field behaviors, on the, off-the-field positive or negative behaviors, it, it is not to be considered. So we do legislate that very hard. Hmm. And, and most of the time, the vast majority of the time, the uh, selectors adhere to it. But as, as you can imagine, the emotions get high. And sometimes a selector will say something knowing darn well he shouldn't, but he's not saying it for anybody to consider. He's venting more than anything else. Uh, you know, uh, so, so no it, it's a, oh, it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a remarkable system. It really is. And when I say this, and, I, and I'll repeat it, when they come in the room, they have talked to contemporaries of the player. They've talked to former coaches, players, general managers, scouts. We set up conference calls with some of our Hall of Famers and GMs and so on to help facilitate it even. So when they go in that room, they have really done their homework. And we also have to remember, something is often said is, uh, so-and-so, the selectors didn't elect someone. Well, it's never true because selectors only elect. They don't eliminate. You know, the players that are in there or the candidates that are in that final room in particular I will challenge most people you know, to, you know, this way by saying if you go back 10 years and look at the final 15 or 17 and you look 10 years ago, the vast majority of those candidates are now in the Hall of Fame. It's a matter of when, not if. And Len Shapiro, one of our veteran uh, selectors, said it best one year, leaving the room. And it, it, it appeared that we were going to have a class of seven. We didn't have the results yet, but by the dialogue and the way people were you know, supporting the candidates, it looked like we were going to have a max class of seven. And we're walking out together, and he says, you know, I should feel good. I think we just elected seven guys, but I feel terrible because we just left ten guys behind. Mm-hmm. And that's how they, they're so serious about it, and they realize that. So sometimes it's bewildering as to who comes that year and who doesn't. Sometimes it's a matter of a, a player canceling out another player. We keep seeing that, I think. And I think this is a fair assessment to say that having Andre Reid, Chris Carter, and Tim Brown on the ballot every year at the same, at the same time being considered – that there's strong feelings for all three and some don't vote for the other because they're hoping their guy will get that, you know, that little extra get there this year. Uh, I think that happens. Uh, Hopefully at some point in time we might just say, hey, there isn't a rule that says you can't have three wide receivers in the same class. Right. So those sorts of things, they're, they're, you know, everybody has their own little nuance and maybe their pecking order, but there's never any, I've never seen it at least, where somebody has said, I will never vote for this guy because he was somebody I didn't like. All of that said, Joe, uh, is there any discussion at all from the hall to expand the group of enshrinees larger than seven? Is there any movement afoot on that front? Well, there's no real discussion going on right now, though I will say every year we review it, not just that, but all of our our procedures and and, uh, our selection process in general. But I will tell you this, there have been changes over the last recent years. We went from one to two senior nominees, for instance, and we've gone back and forth between six to seven and even back down to six at one time uh, for the total number. But you can, you can imagine that there is, there is a, um, a reason in the sense of trying to keep it as the most exclusive of exclusive and at the same time realizing that the league itself has grown in the sheer number of uh, candidates. 
So uh, one last thing, Joe, before I let you go. When do the enshrinees mostly arrive? On Thursday? Is that when things Yeah, we'll, we'll start seeing them Thursday, a couple on uh, Wednesday. But Thursday is the uh, big arrival day. And then, obviously, they start full scale into their their. Uh, programs on Friday, and then on Friday it's the it's the uh, the Nitschke lunch where it's only uh, Hall of Famers right. and the enshrinees in there, and they sort of give each yeah. other guff and in the history yeah, of Ray Nitschke's personality. Yeah, you'll you've, you'll never hear so many lies in your life as when those guys get together <laughs> and embellish what they have accomplished. And then they go from there to get their jackets. Then the Saturday enshrinement ceremony. Then Sunday yeah. is the roundtable luncheon with the with the game itself. Correct. All right. One full weekend. Well, Joe, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we look forward to seeing you, and thanks for sharing your thoughts and getting us all primed for the weekend. Uh, thanks very much, Rich. Great being with you. You bet. That's Joe Horrigan, none other than the VP of Communication and Exhibits at the Pro Football Hall of, Faming, Hall of Fame, joining the Rich Eisen podcast. Fun stuff with a, a longtime friend. We've known him for a very long time at this network, and he's always accommodating. What a sweet, he's one of the nicest guys you can ever meet in this business. His son, Sean, worked here for a while. Sean's great, too. Apparently, you know he's getting married next yeah, week? Yeah, I heard Joe saying that beforehand. I didn't he's know that. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, happy nuptials to, to, to Sean Oregon. Yeah, Sean's a great guy. We also were having some issues, I guess, with the Hall of Fame camp, so it was that's why the ending sort of might have sounded a little Time abrupt. for an upgrade at Canton. Yeah. Well, maybe that'll be part of the... the the many different changes that <laughs> the are there. The camera's Hall of Fame worthy as I well. I wanted to ask him, too, what are you going to do? with? Because they're, they're running out of space in the gallery. They uh, they added a new archive room. They, they, it's going to be expanded when we get there, yeah. Well, but, I mean, the, the gallery, though, they're running out of room, for, wall space. For faces. For the, for the busts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're almost full. I've never been to Canton. Young. I've never been. Yeah. You're well, not going this year either. Right? <laughs> I'm not. No. When was the first time you were there, Rich? In 2003. Oh, three? Your first year? But as I mentioned in the conversation, we were on the air in November of 03. NFL Network first flipped the lights on uh, week 10 of the 2003 NFL season on a Tuesday. Um, and that's when Total Access first came on the air at 8 o'clock Eastern Time back in that day. And uh, the first thing we did, though, is we went to the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony that that we that that year in 2003 and me and eric weinberger yep the uh a longtime executive producer of all of our shows here and um uh, charles copland who was then the the vice president of programming of this network the three of us went there a couple other people and we shot some interviews with some pro football hall of famers shula and Ditka together. Wow. Ditka wow. looked like he had just, you know, had been awakened. Uh, LT was a no-show. What are the games? I don't even know the what games. Are, what were the games? I don't even know the games. And uh, Lawrence Taylor, LT. Yes, correct. Because we were going to have a hard-hitting, we had different panels, coaches' panels, quarterbacks' panels. And then we had one panel for hard hitters, Ronnie Lott, Merlin Olsen, and, uh, and LT. Wow. LT didn't make it. So it was just me, Ronnie Lott, and Merlin Olsen. One of the my favorite stories that I've ever had in an interview for this network was told by Merlin Olson because I asked him and Ronnie Lott, what's the hardest hit you've ever delivered on the field? Lott's answer, I sort of don't remember, but Merlin Olson's answer, I remember. He said that he hit, he was playing, um, the, they were, the Rams were playing the Browns in the L.A. Coliseum one year, and Jim Brown, it was so difficult to get a clean shot on him. Brown was coming around the end, and he saw him right from Jump Street. And he was ready to unload on him. And he put everything in his hit on Jim Brown. 
that he possibly could. And he said he had visions of when he got up that he would look down and see Jim Brown with his eyes rolling in the back of his head. That's how hard he hit him. And instead, he got up and looked up and watched Jim Brown go 60 more yards for the touchdown. <laughs> oh, wow. Awesome. Great story. And Jim Brown, Syracuse. Yeah. And uh, so we, we did all of those interviews and kept them in the can for a year. Wow. To show for our 2004 Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame weekend coverage, so we sat on that. So we, but so that we sat on that for a full year, but didn't because we weren't using it on the spot. We weren't in existence. And as I mentioned to Joe, we had people coming up to us all the time saying, "What is this NFL Network all about?" A lot of people from films were like that too, saying, "Hmm, what do you, you know, yeah. what are you guys going to be all about?" Because we're hearing we're going to have to do a lot of stuff. You know, yeah. we're, we're, you know, uh, we were getting quizzed, hmm. you know, from people in the front office of the league saying, what are you, and you're going to be out in Los Angeles? Is that where you're going to be? What's and, your content plan? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I'm just here at the Hall of Fame. And um, it was an eye opener for me because I was a baseball guy at ESPN. Right. And you go to Cooperstown, that's flat out, straight out of a Rockwell painting. Yeah. And yeah. here comes, you go to Canton, that is, there's an interstate that goes directly across the front yard yep. of of the Hall of Fame. If that interstate wasn't there, you could have you could have still had the enshrinement ceremony on the steps of the hall because there's tons of space on the other side of the interstate, but it cuts it straight through. And uh man, it's just a totally different experience, the Pro Football Hall of Fame with the baseball hall of fame, but both are perfect for the sport itself. You know, yep. football is blue collar hit you in the mouth, so there should be 18-wheelers that zip on by this thing. In the Midwest. In the Midwest. And I, and Cooperstown, you know, the sun goes down, everything turns orange. It's Field of Dreams. It's like the natural. I've never been to Cooperstown. One, I want to get incredible. there. Incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. I went in 2001, I think. It's been a while. Since I been covered a, a couple of Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremonies in Cooperstown for ESPN. One year we stayed in a bed and breakfast. Yeah. Woke up in the morning and there was that that like that smoked bacon smell from the kitchen of some maple syrup. Yeah, maple, maple syrup, syrup coming up. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's great. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm I am in a Rockwell painting. Like this is like a uh, that if you saw that Woody Allen movie Purple Rose of Cairo, I was in a movie, and and the setting was a Rockwell painting. Well, the Canton Motel Six will be will have some nice and, and to it. I mean, again, it is it is it is just like uh, football. It's very no frills in that respect. And um, but the enshrinement ceremony it couldn't it's equally as special and and presented is just as as well as any place else. I love and it's it. in a high school football stadium, yeah. right? right? So I mean, it, it's so true to the roots of the game um, that that the greats of all time come to a small town in Ohio and get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, where high school kids pour their blood, sweat, and tears out every single week. I think it was smart how the league this year, and I think from moving forward, is from doing the, the symposium there yep. just to show kids where they want to be. And if they no. achieve greatness, they right. can be there and at some and, point. And, and what they're, what's been built yep. and the shield, what it means, and how they now have that uh, responsibility to keep it going. Neat stuff. Uh, let's now pivot, shall we? As they say. Yes, they say. Here's Dak Shepard. 
My next guest here on the Rich Eisen Podcast is a new movie, Hit and Run, which he wrote and co-directed, hitting theaters right in the middle of training camp season, August 24th. And he is also on the hit show on NBC Parenthood. Good to see you, Dak Shepard. Rich, thank you so much for having me. How are you? You good? Uh, I'm great. Um, for the people who are watching and or listening, um, yes. the L.A. geography can be very challenging for us motorists. Hopefully you didn't, it didn't tax you too and, much and getting it, down Well, here. no, I made it. I made it. You but did. I just, I, I want, on time, by the I way. Want, I appreciate it. Th- you're welcome. And I just want you to take it as a testament for my love for you that I Thank would you. travel Thank to you. The, probably the worst sector of town you could go to if you live in Los Feliz. It is. It, you live far away. It's rough. It's 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 way northeast of our Culver City studios. Fighting traffic patterns the whole way. Now, normally we think this is somewhat centrally located because we're just up from LAX. Normally sure. that's a selling point for me. It's like, hey, when you're flying in, because uh-huh. you, you pretty much Hit mostly... Stop. Yeah, really. And, yeah, you Culver. pretty much have to go north from LAX. Absolutely. At some, mostly. Not everybody well, goes in LAX and goes south. I don't trust anyone who goes south. I would not. Land. No way. It, it is, They're it, going deep and behind the orange curtain. It's a Person, a, a window into the personality. It is uh, of of your of your guest, I guess. If yeah, you go yeah. south, but most go north, and I and I say just stop off here. And so for you though, that's right. This was geographically and, unsound. And what I'm learning, Rich, is that you cater to a lot of out of town guests, because <laughs> <laughs> your selling well, point and from what is, I get, is geared solely for people who live out of town. And from what I gather from you, you consider yourself an out of town guest based well, on where yeah, you yeah. came from. I will, well, I mean, let's put it this way: if I were working today on a production, I would want per diem. You trip, yeah. I would expect that. Well, I can give you a sandwich I would before to be able you go. To cheat on my wife. I would expect a lot of things at this distance. Is this what me. happens on on set? Not, really? For, not for me, but for some dirtbags. Yeah, that's say, I think that's the wacky rule. parenthood set. I mean, Craig T. Nelson. Well, that's, that guy that's knows five minutes party. from my house. You, I mean, see, I couldn't be closer to that job. Are you serious? Yes. What is that? A Sunset Gower situation? No, that's Universal. Oh. In fact, if you come on vacation, as many of your guests from out of town, they might find themselves at Universal for the Star Tour sure. of the lot. Well, yeah. You'll drive right by my trailer, and odds are you'll see me. Is that right? Walking to what is, the what, uh, what is, uh, what's, what's in the trailer? Do you have a specific uh, rider in your contract that you need to have fulfilled? or you know? On movies, mm-hmm. I have a much better setup than I do on TV shows. <laughs> I had no, A, I had no precedent. Because uh, mm-hmm. I w- the only other TV show I ever was on was Punked, Punked. ten years ago, and I didn't have a trailer. This may shock you, but I didn't have a trailer. Right, I had the back of a van to change in. Right, and uh, the other issue compounding my trailer situation is there are fourteen regular cast members. Yeah, so if they gave all of us the the this you know the cool yeah, and Krause was on Sports Night, he was on uh, Six Feet Under. Six feet under. Come on, uh, I, well, what, where I think he really took him to the cleaners was that. Um, Dirty Sexy Bunny, which was yes. he was on for a couple of years just prior to our show. And I think I think they backed something. up the Brinks truck. I met I we the the number one fan of Dirty Sexy Money resides in this building. Deion Sanders loved really Dirty Sexy, sexy Money. money. Well, because I, I mean, you know, I think What's much anything to do with money, pretty much money anything to do with money. Sex. Deion really loves money. Okay. Lo- Deion just love. I mean, he's a. Now, he loves money, but he loves that show. That loved Neon it. Loved has it. become very spiritual. I'm using. No, I'm euphemizing. He is. He is. He yes, very, he is very spiritual. He's born again, I think. He perhaps. has been very. He he is. Um, he has, I believe, changed course of his life from the mid '90s on. Right. Yes. With I don't know if you follow him on Twitter or anything like the, that, but the, yeah, the church. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, I believe. Uh, uh, 
Reverend Jakes, I believe is his. That's his dude. Yeah, that's his guy. Okay, that is his guy. Great. But he still he still loves the dirty, sexy money. Is it right? Well, you know, you can. I thought you can work with Reverend Jakes, and you can definitely change the course of your life. You're not going to stop liking money, sex, and dirtiness. In in that order, at least you went the the reverse order. At least from (laughs) the sidelines. You know, he might not be getting himself ensnared in any of these dirt, sex, and or money, and or, but. From the sidelines, he's you gotta love it. He's celebrating. He might have also been a, a big Billy Baldwin fan. I just don't know. I bet he was. I don't know. I'd bet dollars to donuts. I don't. I, I just Baldwin don't. With Dion, he's, he's I'd say he liked all the Baldwin. I think he, everybody does. Yeah, Who Steven, doesn't? Steven, Alec. Well, talk about William. born again. Talk about born again. Yeah, we got there's half of them. Half the family. I know. That must be an interesting Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> down there at the Baldwin compound. How did you? I don't know if they're getting together for yeah. Thanksgiving dinner, but if they are, all right. What a hoot! How did you get involved with the punked? How did that start years ago? Um, I did improv at a theater called the Groundlings, which sure. is here in Los Angeles. It's basically like the Groundlings and Second City yeah. and UCB. Those are the three uh, funnels the that upright feed into brigade. Saturday Night Live, right? So I was trying mm-hmm. to get myself on a Saturday Night Live and they called in anyone who did improv in the city. So I auditioned and then I, I had a series of like eight auditions over the course of two months. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I got it, went and did the pilot. Then the pilot got sued for a while. <laughs> and I, I, I like thought I had a TV show after eight years of struggling and right. then it looked like I didn't for about mm-hmm. a year. And then right. finally we filmed and about four months later, the show came out, and then I got to do Without a Paddle and all these other movies right. subsequent to that. So, but did you did you enjoy doing punked? I mean, just did, is it was that fun doing that, or times where times fun. that you that you that you were it was stressful. sort of like that? Yeah, like I mean, I know actors aren't supposed to ever complain about anything. No, but no, but, but let me just say it was stressful because a it was my first job, it was my big shot, so sure. I had to you know for me that I had put a lot of pressure on myself. I had to deliver in mm-hmm. those scenes, and I had to break out from. And I'm competing with huge celebrities. That was the premise of the show is me, nobody, mm-hmm. now, you know, punking celebrities. So yeah. who's going to be ever looking at Dak Shepard in these, mm-hmm. you know? So I just, I had put a lot of pressure on myself. They're stressful just by their design. You're you're screwing with people and they might punch you. Yeah, I mean that. And you'll have one shot at it. So if you're doing this this bit and your acting's not on par and you all of a sudden seem obvious that then you ruin the whole thing. All these people have worked all week and all these favors that have been called in to get this person. It's going to land directly on your shoulder. Getting the celebrity on the hook. So like when we did Timberlake, the entire staff of MTV was in the garage. Like, don't a don't piss them off. Make it work. (laughs) See, like we got to make it funny, but not too funny. That'll sign like just, Mm -hmm. you know, at a million different people there, you know, being vocal. About how it should go down. So that was, you know, it was a little stressful. Right, because what do you say by signing? I was happy mean, to go into movies, let's just say that. Uh, yeah. Because they, they have to be punked uh-huh. and then agree to sign to sign so the punking can be made public. And I, I I definitely, for sure, some celebrities were punked and refused to sign, correct? That happened. That um, my, happen. I, was on, I was only on season one, and that did happen only once. And it wasn't because the punked was mm-hmm. that extreme or good. It's just... The guy was like, I don't want to be on the show. I, I, there's one, and I won't go any further. I know of one major sports star who was punked oh, and didn't and re- sign, refused to sign. Yeah, that doesn't shock. Not, me. not because a lot of these sports guys. I'm don't actually have surprised that more people humor didn't. Way. Well, yeah, they're I mean, studs. You know, like, I punked NFL guys. My last episode of punk. Who is? Do you remember? I, yeah, I punked um, uh, the bus. 
You punked Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis. What'd you, how'd you punk Jerome Bettis? That was probably my favorite punk because um, typically in punk, what would happen is like you'd park your car somewhere and then we'd accuse you of some insane thing. Like, mm-hmm. well, you parked your car there and then the place blew up, right? And mm-hmm. they'd be like, no. But Jerome Bettis, I got to actually, I got him to make a very bad decision, which was I told him, I was at, posing as a journalist mm-hmm. and I said that um, <laughs> our viewers had emailed in and said they wanted to see him tackle me. And so he's like, no, you know, I don't even tackle people. And I'm like, no, we, you know, you got to do it. So he does. He tackles me. Mm-hmm. And then we act like he broke my back. And now he's denying ever tackling me, even though it's on. <laughs> we, you know, he's clearly just done it in front of camera. He denied, he denied tackling. He's like, I didn't, he literally said I didn't tackle him. And it's in, you know, the setup is we're in an interview. So he knows it's been filmed, yet he mm-hmm. still said He's still denying. Yeah, once he thought he broke my back and he started thinking of the <laughs> How did you make him think you broke your back? Go, you just started screaming and you broke my back? You the just started... second he hit me, I went uh-huh. dead limp like I had spinal cord damage. Oh, like I no, went, you didn't. Yes, and then he <laughs> thought I was joking, um, but he went and got his golf club. It was a golf event mm-hmm. where we were doing mm-hmm. this, and he stuck his, gol- his putter, I'm going to say, in my ass. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say in my ass. Yeah. And I think when he did that and I didn't move, he went like, you can see in the episode, his how face did, immediately changes. He's like, oh, sh- I'm in trouble. How did you not move when you had something? Again. I, I mean, I, I, I don't, don't, don't want to get this again. We're talking about no, let's uh, talk windows into personality. Let's talk about my ass. But I mean, it just, it just, you just, you know. I just, I dealt with it. You dealt, dealt with it. it. That's yeah. part of the gig. Right. It was my big shot. <laughs> you deal with it. And how did and you? And by the way, that's yeah. what ended up selling the bit. Before, he just thought I was screwing with him. But when I didn't move because of that, right. he everything changed. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And he how did you? Re- and he was. And then the other thing I did was um, I accused um, Garcia. Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia uh-huh. of lying about his height and weight. Because he's, <laughs> I think he's 6'1", and he's like 205 or this something. This is definitely a sore point with quarterbacks. you got to be a certain, if you're not a certain height. You, well, you, what I was telling teams him, might not be interested in you. Well, and, my angle is what is um, you're listed at six one one ninety eight, and I go when we just shook hands, and I'm an inch taller than you, and I'm five nine. So explain that. <laughs> and <laughs> so it just became this battle of me insisting I'm five nine. Right. I'm six three. I know that you're, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Tall I'm two inches you taller in than him. Right. But I'm acting like I'm five nine. So I'm like I'm two inches taller than you. You're five seven. And you're lying to America. And I keep looking at the camera. And I'm accusing him of being a liar. And then he gets really mad. And then he leaves. Wow. But again, that was a good one, too, because, um, you know, he really got <laughs> it was about something. It was really. Well, but you also hit for I said, him. And you struck a nerve with him. I struck a nerve with time. him. And I was accusing him of setting um, un, un, unobtainable expectations for young children who love him. So if he's lying about his height and weight, how on earth are they ever going to feel like men when they only come to be five seven like him? Right. <laughs> so and how did the reveal- and then the other right. some other guy I kept cutting to another interview. I kept asking him like, "How did you tell us your story of getting in the NFL?" And he go, "Well, you know, this is a good one." So I and I go, "Uh huh." And then I kept going to crappier football players on another tee like oh okay. we have, hold on we're just, we gotta go to this other interview and i would say some you'd cut him off really crappy player that uh-huh. we were like we we're trumping his interview for oh, some lesser player <laughs> and he got upset but i can't remember who that was but it was one of these big shot type big ego oh my gosh you know wide receiver type. and how did the um how did the, re- the the reveals work out i mean were they were they, they were, cool or they were or really i was wearing or? a wig and a mustache okay and lucky for me mm-hmm. um all three of them had seen the show. Oh, okay. That's the only one I filmed where um, 
the show had aired. We shot all of them okay. before they ever aired, so I was never. No one knew who the hell I so was. So nobody even knew what punking was, right? That's Except a tough for one. this last one, we did this NFL one. It, the show had been airing for like I don't know a month or something. Sure, so they were aware of it. Well, that's good. Which helped, that yeah, because all the actors on the subsequent seasons they had the benefit of people knowing what punked was. So people were relieved when they'd hear, "No, you just got punked." Right. When I was doing, it, I'd go, "You just got punked." And they were like, "What's what's that mean?" What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to go explain. Well, it's right. this new show on MTV. We're hoping it'll be a hit. Right. And then, and so, <laughs> now will you sign here? Right. And how much easier it would be later on. People would be even honored that they were chosen to get And, yeah. you know, most of the time, yeah. I wouldn't even say most. I'd say half the time Ashton was there. Mm-hmm. And he, at the time, was already a big celebrity. So sure. when he would come out, they'd get excited. Sure. But when he wasn't there, oh no, it was just me. And it never seemed like a real show or anything. You know, it just wasn't. Right. But you <laughs> it's a stranger who they don't recognize saying they just got punked, which is a word they've never heard, right. on a show that they've never seen. There's nothing well, exciting about that. At least you were baptized by fire I in was, that respect. That's for sure. In that respect. Yeah, now look at me. So you're, now I'm driving across town to yeah, yeah, Culver City. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like yeah, to, to Culver City, sitting in a shower curtain <laughs> on a podcast room. Look at you. Look at shower. you now. Look at you now. So you're from Wald Lake, Michigan. Where? I went to high school there. Okay, yeah. so where are you from? Uh, Milford, Michigan, Milford, Highland, Michigan. Michigan. I moved so around where, a lot where, where is that? As oh, they, right, as they right, do, right as they here. do in Michigan. You're right there. Yeah, so it's 20, right near, 20, 20 minutes out of Detroit. So it's near Ann Arbor. It's right Somewhat. between Ann Arbor and Detroit. Yeah, that's yeah. why I went to the University of Michigan. Oh, you did? I did. Great school. I lost my New York accent there. Oh, really? I had a real thick New York accent. Real thick New York accent, the uh-huh. whole thing. And they didn't like it. Well, it's not. I, I don't think I got it scared out of me. I just, mm. you know, I, I adapted. You acclimated. I adapted. And I also learned what euchre was, the, the oh, card game of euchre. euchre. Well, I mean, I had no Two idea man, what it was. Two man, four man, three man. Well, when, here, here's the deal. is I was in my, uh, my dorm room, uh-huh. and then somebody would walk up and ask me if I wanted to euchre. Oh really? The shorthand of okay. or or the verb. I had no idea euchre. I've never even used that. Really? I've played thousands of games. I swear, somebody asked me, "Do you want a euchre?" Huh? And I'm like, "What? What in the world is that?" And right. they go, and "I then, would have assumed that was a sexual thing." But here's what, yeah, I was about to say, Dax. Yeah. Here's where it got worse. It's just it's it's two man euchre, uh-huh. four man euchre, uh, right? You know what right, I mean? Right. And I'm like, I'm like, now I definitely right. don't want right. to five euke. man and a horse euchre. You know what I mean? Like, right. not that there's anything. Sure. Wrong with yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. form of euking. Yeah, yeah. But I had no idea euchre. This wasn't I, your jam, right? I had no idea that that uh, you know that soda was still called pop in uh-huh. certain parts of the country. Yeah, learning curve. Tennis shoes as opposed to sneakers, which is where uh, what I call. Oh, I don't still I, didn't know that. I, no, you know, I say tennis shoes. Tennis shoes, no tennis sneakers shoes. from the from oh, these really? stuff from sneakers. Uh, I did also, you find that guys were willing to ring other guys' bells easier there? How do you mean, like hit people? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There right. was it, it was it was definitely more. Because I got to tell you, when yeah. I I used to work for GM, and um, I worked with like fourteen of my friends who were all from Detroit, mm-hmm. and we would travel the country doing these car shows for General Motors, right? So we'd go to these sh- crappy little hotels all over America, and we would set up race courses and invite journalists to come drive the new cars. Yeah. That's what we did. So, but every time we went to New York City on car shows, we got in fights nonstop <laughs> because here's we here's what we don't understand from Michigan. 
and this is what New Yorkers understand. New Yorkers mm-hmm. will come up and they'll start talking real loud and swearing at your face. And mm-hmm. there's, there's like nine layers for New Yorkers before no, no. you're fist fighting. Correct. Michigan, there's not. It's go time. You yell F at me. I know it's time for me to swing because you're about to swing. Yes. And so we we weren't speaking the same language. Right. We got into it all the time. Yeah. Luckily, I, 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 I still had a, a little bit of a filter. You know, okay. I didn't have that <laughs> right. much of a quick fuse right. in my New York. But you can I, understand where the miscommunication happened. Oh, no doubt about happen. it. I, I, I – Went just my first semester in Ann Arbor. Uh-huh. Uh, arrived in September, went back home in November. I began to, walking the streets of Manhattan, began to just put a foot in the street figuring cars were going to stop for me because that's what happened uh-huh. when you just walked into the street in any place, any town in Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Cars would stop. Sure. Even if there was a green light, they uh-huh. would stop. Oh, you go on across the street, go ahead. Right. I nearly got killed instantly right. in New York City. You got City. too acclimated. I mean, it was, I was. I got completely <laughs> acclimated. <laughs> right. And then I lost almost all of my New York accent uh, except the word tournament. Oh, yeah. NCAA tournament. It. Now right. it's a tournament. Right. I would say tournament. In my first tournament. in my first uh, on-air sports job in Redding, California, I would uh-huh. say, tonight in the NCAA tournament, and people uh, would say, no, no, no. You, you got to clean that up. Got to clean it up. Now, what's weird about my accent mm-hmm. is I am always asked if I'm from the South. Does Why? Does that make any sense Because you? you talk. I don't what? know. People think I have a Southern accent. You don't have much of the Michigan thing. I don't. But you know the Mich- the, the test, Although my right? wife, who's also from Michigan. Where's she, Kristen Bell from? She's from um, five miles, you know, more towards Detroit than Are I you am. serious? Yeah, you grew, yeah, up, you from, grew up within five miles? Yeah, Detroit? but I didn't. Well, a little bit more, like 10. But still, still we're both I mean, suburbs of ridiculous. Detroit. And um, she, uh, we didn't know each other there. But she went to NYU, right? And, uh-huh. and, the, and the number one goal there was to break her of her Michigan accent. So she spent an untold fortune at NYU learning to not talk like a Michigander. <laughs> and and I went, she met me. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, we started living together. And, and she thinks I still have a lot of Michigan uh, little quirks. And like, she accuses me of, um, of, of um, um, getting her to talk like that. Is that again. right? Yeah. You know the test, though, right? The test on, on the uh, whether you could tell where somebody's from the Midwest or not. You no. write down three words. Hold on a minute. Let's, can somebody bring a pen in here? That would be amazing. Can you, oh, I, this wanna, is, I need this test. This is a test. Yeah. This is a test. Give it to your wife. It's going to blow people's minds. Well, I don't know if it is or not. Okay. I mean, I, I don't mean – I don't want to – I don't want to – I don't want to oversell it. Okay. But, where did you learn this? Uh, at, at the University of Michigan. Oh, Give me okay. a pen. Bring it in here, Great. Chris Law. Come on. I'm going to use your card, your information card. Great. Here we go. Okay. I'm now writing down three words, and if you're we from no the, longer need the information. About no, no, me, we do need now the information. Gonna, no, no, but no, 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 now we're playing this game. So right. If I, these are the three words, you will say these words the same way. Okay. They're three completely different words. Okay. But if you're from the Midwest, you will say these words the same this is way. Really do you want me to not look? No, it's I'm okay. Gonna, oh, you can look during this game. Okay. You will say those three words the same way if you're from the Midwest. Mary, Mary, Mary. Yeah. And I say, is there another way to say them? Mary, Mary, and Mary. Oh my goodness! I am so merry because I'm marrying Mary. Ah! And you from the Midwest said that the same. I just say, did you guys get married? Well, I'd say married. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Was it Mary, Mary, and Mary? You said we had a very merry Christmas Mm -hmm. with Mary and the married couple. See, you say the same way, and your wife would too. No matter how much money she spent at NYU, I'm going to ask her. I'm going to do that. She may shock you. She, well, she was musical theater, so there's a lot of time spent oh, focusing on this whole area. The, yeah, yeah. The, uh, and for those uh, listening, that's the mouth. And, that's the mouth yes, you were talking about. I just I want was to make pointing sure. at my mouth. Very good. And yeah. you are directing your wife now in this film, I right? Did, Correct. Yes. Hit and I, run. What's I, that? Right. What's you? you it's Bradley a Cooper, Kristen uh-huh. Chenoweth, uh huh, and Kristen. These are all hot shots. Good lord. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's nice a huh. It's a car chase. 
uh, comedy that uh-huh. I wrote and yeah, co-directed, and uh-huh. I had to direct my wife. Yeah. How that worked? It worked um, beautifully. It could have definitely backfired and been you know the end of us, but it actually turned out to be one of the highlights of our five years together. Is that right? Oh yeah, big time. Is it? Is this the only time you were able to tell your wife what to do? And get away with it, or is it? Uh, I'm just trying to see. How in, that... a, in, a, in a way, but um, you know, we, she's an actress. I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we both audition for things. Um, so we're always helping each other learn our lines. You know, before we go audition, and we had uh, developed this kind of rapport where I'd go, "Oh, you know, what? I kind of like it more when you do it this way." Mm-hmm. And so this trust builds up over like four years of just doing auditions together and her mm-hmm. believing in my kind of instincts That's and cool. us learning to talk that way without her going getting offended, you know, or insecure. Mm-hmm. So it was really, really easy, and it wasn't. It, it never got, you know. We didn't have any weird okay. relationship because the whole on set's set. watching. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. This is touch and go potentially. It could be hit the and only, run. Yeah, the only uh, issue we got into was, um, you know, after you make a movie, you got to go in and do ADR, which means often the sound quality wasn't as good as it should have been for whatever reason. Post, right? you're the, in the post. You're in post, and you have to um, do additional dialogue recording. So you're adding like, oh, they didn't record you screaming there. Let's get a scream, right? So. That was the only time where she was in the recording booth. And I was like, uh, honey, well, just scream when the car hits you. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would scream. Mm-mm. I think you would. I don't think I would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it became that, which, of course, escalated and escalated until. Did you, you go know, offline she, for this she conversation? Eventually, she eventually screamed and it worked out great. Okay. Yeah. Did but you, that was the, as she, hard as it got. Because the wife can't fall for that. Just do it this way. And if it we'll were, see, it, it, it if we'll it's see if, good. Right. No, she no, can't. No, no. She's she not knows if I'm asking for, that. for it, I want to use it. Exactly. Yes. She's I'm not, not, not willy nilly. Like, I'm, I'm very, uh, right. uh, you know, concise about what I, I think. You're efficient. My You're efficient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're efficient. I'm almost Germanic in my approach to this thing, you know? <laughs> Very Why exact. are you not a fan of the Detroit Lions? Why are you a fan of the New England Patriots? I heard this. Well, you, well just because you're a fan, you're a of, fan of, I'm a fan of the the, the '67 Chevelle. That doesn't mean I'm. I don't like '67 Camaros. Okay, I, I like it all. I didn't mean. I didn't yeah, mean to throw that yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Thank you. That's a wrong that was way. Your of assertion. That was. See, that was the New Yorker like the, coming out. That was, like that was aggressive. Lions. You're ready. Yeah, see, I, you're about to throw down. <laughs> Almost was happened. <laughs> Things almost. It, almost it was. It, down. Was, it almost was a bad ride yeah. back to. Los so let me Los. let me start. Let me start okay. again. Uh, why are you a fan of the Patriots when you, you have uh, such Michigander ties? Okay, um, I like the Lions. Um, as mm-hmm. you know, they have not been the most you know exciting team to watch over sure. the last sure. Sure. twenty five decades. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like about the Patriots is I like dynasties. I'm attracted to them. I like superheroes. I liked Jordan. I like seeing people that uh, excel and are better than second place. My favorite Olympian, Sean White. The gap between his first and, and second place yes. was astronomical. Mm-hmm. Typically, all these events, you know, they're, they're decided by a you know one hundredth of a second. So to see anyone blow anyone out, it's very exciting. So I, I'm attracted to the Patriots because they're an amazing football team and they're an amazing dynasty. Their quarterback is a supermodel. He is a legitimate supermodel. Mm-hmm. Additionally, I one time got to be on the field when the Patriots came out of the tunnel. And oh, to the whole Ozzy Osbourne crazy train, yes. the whole thing. And so uh, oh, yeah, that's the you. only time I've ever been on a football field that'll during hit a you. game. That'll hit you. And so, yeah, it's kind of like my first time. I'm okay. always going to remember them, the Patriots. <laughs> They'll always have a real that is a, special a, a, little quadrant of my heart because I got to watch them. That is a that more tunnel. than acceptable, understandable 
Thank answer, you. Texture. Is it is it is it uncouth to like the Patriots? No, it's not at all. I, I, many many guests on this show are, are fans of the Patriots. Not, not at all. Right. Well, listen, I, I am I am. Who's uh, your team? Well, listen, uh, all thirty two. All thirty two. You know, being oh, in you this have position. to say that. Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, whichever team's losing, because I'm hoping for a close game. That's okay. What I'm told to say. Okay. Sometime. Now, what if I told you I have tickets to all thirty two? Teams? teams, which team? Oh, Whichever is the most which geographically teams? sound, because okay, it's okay. almost feelings to me, man. Uh, okay, as long as it's north of LAX, <laughs> you're there. Hit and Run, August twenty fourth, uh, in theaters. Uh, this man wrote and co directed it, and he gingerly directed his wife every now and then, Kristen Bell, Bradley Cooper, Kristen. But you know, Jenner. if you liked Smoking and the Bandit, who doesn't? This this, this is, is the new Smoking the Bandit. No kidding. Yes, I'm a car fanatic. Uh-huh. My life is all about motorsports. That's all I care about. And this movie is from a legitimate gearhead made and delivered by one. Fantastic. Yeah, it's authentic. I love it. It's no crap. And there's... You see a lot of these, you know, uh, Japanese tuner car race Mm -hmm. movies. Who cares? This is American muscle going berserk. Fantastic. Yes, in the fashion of smoking the man. And Bradley Cooper is the Burt Reynolds character in this? I'm the Burt Reynolds character. You are? Yes. Oh, so you're in this too? He's Buford T. Justice, basically, because he's, well, he's the bad guy. Okay, Buford T. Justice. I'm in witness protection. I decide to leave witness protection for the love of my life, Kristen. And so I leave witness protection, and the guy testified against Bradley Cooper becomes aware of this, and he the the chase begins. The chase begins, and he's the Buford T. Justice. Yes. Well, Tom Arnold's also in it. He's more also he's he's more of the Jackie Gleason exactly because he is the U.S. Marshal that was assigned to me. He's nuts. He now has to chase. He's nuts in a great way. Tom Arnold in the in the best way ever. I I met him on Punk ten years ago, and we've been best friends ever since. Tom Arnold is a good dude. He cracks me. I'm a big fan of Tom Arnold, and I'm a big fan of Parenthood too. Do you have kids? Thank you. Do you have kids? You don't have kids. I want them. Um, well, I, I mean, like them. When you have them, then this show is going to reach a totally different level for you, yeah. too. Even though I'm sure you, you've probably been told that. It yeah. speaks. It speaks. It speaks on it's every spot level. On. And plus, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Jason Kadams being a oh, Friday Night Lights nut. Forget it. That's my. I mean, that guy. That guy ever. knows. That guy knows how to touch some buttons and push them. Yes. And and it's and you know what's so great well is I've had people say to me like, "Oh, I love Parenthood." Oh, and I'll go, "Oh, thank you." And they'll go, "You know, you know." I go, "What other shows do you like?" Oh, I love Friday Night Lights. They'll always say that. And they and don't know fun, the connection. It's fun. They have no idea. No, no, no. But isn't it neat? There's some shared DNA oh, between our show and that show, even though there's such different topics being it is, covered. But, but there's still, something. Man, he hits it. Similarly, it. I, like, the only, I was never into TV growing up. I was into like doing, you know, like being outside and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The only show I ever really fell in love with was Northern Exposure. Mm-hmm. And, did you ever watch that show? Of course. Yeah. And then the, the next show I fell in love with was Sopranos. Those are the mm-hmm. only two shows I liked forever, till mm-hmm. I was probably 27 years old. Mm-hmm. I was watching the commentary, uh, listening to the commentary on Sopranos, and they start talking about David Chase, the guy who created Sopranos. And he says, well, I was the head writer at Northern Exposure for four years, Incredible. and then I decided to start the show. And I'm like, oh, my God, how weird. The there only you go. Two- and there could not be more opposites. Sopranos know, exactly. and Northern Exposure. Well, Friday Night Lights is a great show, and so obviously Parenthood is as well. And I look forward to seeing Hit and Run. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Rich. You bet. That's Dax Shepard sending him back to Los Feliz. One way. <laughs> By First way class. of rocket ship. <laughs> You're on the Rich Eisen podcast. Dak Shepard. That sounds like a fun movie. If he says if he says that Smokey and the Bandit fans. Man, I mean, because if, if somebody's going to go ahead and do like a Smokey and the Bandit sort of reboot in a way. Right. With Bradley Cooper and Kristen Bell and Dax. That sounds like fun. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I saw, uh, I saw an advertisement for it uh, last night. Hit and it, Run. It's like a fun movie. August 24th. And I love those stories about he punked Bettis. Yeah. That was great. Can we get, do you think we can get that for the TV show? Does that exist somewhere? 
I was looking. No I was way. exhausting internet channels yesterday and couldn't uh, no. couldn't really find anything. That, that is, and, and the Timberlake one would be amazing. I cannot too. tell you who it was, but I know for a fact a major major A list sports star got punked. Can we, get a, can we get a hint? Used to sign. Hint. Is it a- I'll just tell you the sport. Okay. If, baseball. I mean, A Rod. I cannot confirm or deny. Jeter. Cannot confirm or deny. And this is a long time ago, though. Well, Think this about is it. Two thousand three. Long time ago. So you're saying we're swinging and missing with our first two guesses? I am not saying whether you have connected or swung and missed. Bonds, maybe. But uh, I know for a fact this person was punked and refused to sign. Wow. Would you sign if you got punked? Uh, of course. Does it depend on how your reaction to it well, is? I mean, of course. it. There, you know, I, I would. Because I, it, it's, it's sort of an honor that you're chosen for yeah. that sort of yeah. stuff, right? I mean, the quintessential punk is Timberlake crying on the phone with Dude, his mom. And- it's tough. That's what I always think about these greatest these contestants in the Great Escape, which, by the way, returns after a hiatus because we're not going up against the, the Olympics. The Olympics, yeah. Or at least, you know, the first Sunday of the Olympics. Um, and, uh, it's wise on the part of well, TNT. Even me, we're, uh, with, uh, break, as I tweeted this week, I, I was, had Breaking Bad on the DVR, and I was held hostage by a balance beam. Yeah. You know, with these these gymnastics, um, it's amazing. They, they are, treat it like a, but they treat it like a reality show. I mean, at the top, because I, I watched this on Sunday night, they yeah. they introduce the Team America girls. Right. It's not women's gymnastics. It's girls' gymnastics. Yeah. Okay. And they're, they're sixteen. Yes. Yeah. So here are these girls, and 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 they're sort of like a, a in a sort of, it looked like an open to young and the restless in a way. <laughs> Right where you see you see the the faces of the girls and they're in various uh, and their names come flying yeah various states of either smile or doing part of their moves and then their name comes across yeah the first and only time okay. the young and the restless will be referenced on this podcast I don't know it, but also it was like I turned to my wife I'm like it's like a reality show there it is, I know and I know sports are the ultimate reality show but it's like yeah. meet the girls that you're gonna love. Or live and die with their right. every move this of, coming week. A lot of criticism of uh, the coverage NBC's providing. Yeah, what's your take on the numbers are through the roof? What's your take on the delay? Yeah, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot deny it's working. Number, but through the, the roof about the presentation though. Yeah, what's your well, take the on the presentation delay? every year? It's it's like there are no other countries. It's all about the Americans and what they're doing. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, and, and that, but that's what it is, though. But Tuesday night, would you for, rather see the competition, or would you rather no, see how the Americans? Of are course doing? not. But I'd like to and see. That, every- but most people who are sort of surfing into the Olympics for the first, I mean, in all honesty, everybody is living and dying with these young girls for the gymnastics team. Yeah. And now, for the next three years and fifty weeks, until we see him again in Brazil, are we going to are we going to follow their exploits? No, definitely. Unless not. we see him on a, on a on a Wheaties box. But seriously, my, my my problem with Tuesday's coverage was yeah the women's gymnastics and they and they won the gold. I don't think we're giving anything away now. It was you know it was a spectacular. <laughs> You were so gun shy because you have given away so much. You have really been loose lipped. Every ship has sunk (laughs) with these loose lips here. What I'm saying is there was, so there was a USA women's soccer <laughs> yes, match. If you do not know by now right, that's that what, we, that's all we I'm took saying. home the gold in the women's gymnastics. Exactly. Or girls' gymnastics. Girls. But I was saying there was a USA women's soccer <laughs> match and a men's basketball game yesterday as well. Right. And that got 30 seconds total last night of the four-hour coverage. I think yeah, ju- but during the day you're watching it, though. Right, I mean that's listen. If you NBC, yeah, NBC is doing what they what it what it should do, 
they could cover all this stuff live and have which they are doing online. They're doing online. I mean, that's I've been following along. They could online. do it at night live, but at night live from seven to eleven East Coast time, that is midnight to there'd be no prime time. No, I yeah. know. What I understand is during their prime time coverage, they're only showing swimming and gymnastics. Well, why would they show you the the dream team beating the crap out of Tunisia? By 48 points. Yeah, people are tuning out. I, I, I did see one comment that I thought was really interesting because um, I, at first, when the tape delay thing, I was like, this is garbage. Show, I want to see this stuff live. But like you were saying, who's watching gymnastics 364 this, days of the year? It's all about the storylines and the people, this, and that's what primetime does. This just in. The Olympics are not for hardcore sports that's fans. That's what I'm, I've yeah. begun to realize. They're not for me. They are not. Because I'm following along on Twitter and watching you live all day. Get into it. You can get into it just like everybody else, but it's not for the hardcore sports right. fan. It's for the person who wants to fall in love with this guy who's got a great story, yeah, fencing, exactly. or this young girl right. whose parents are doing you know, uh, body language gymnastics in the stands following right. her balance beam routine. The Today Show on Wednesday morning had the parents of the kids who had just won the gold. Is that for you who's following the Celtics against the Grizzlies game 43 of an NBA season? Of course it's not. No, definitely not. So it's not about the live events. It's about waving the flag, telling the stories, and racking up the ratings. And guess what NBC is doing? They're doing it. That's what they're doing. Did you see their snafu on uh, Monday night? Uh, Missy Franklin, the 17-year-old singer Yeah, they from did, had a Today Show promo that, with it. With, with her medal yeah. before her race aired. Yeah. yeah, tune in Monday morning. Tune in tomorrow. Gold medalist. Gold medalist. Huh? Zoinks? Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Zoinks. So, so, and, you know what I mean? And, so, and, and, and I saw our friend of the program, Michelle Beadle, tweeted out, hey, I'm sick and tired of people complaining about us right. giving away the results on Twitter. That's a, a case in point. If you don't want to know something, Turn it off. don't go on Twitter. Don't go on. Good yeah, Lord. Definitely not. It's the most real-time device in the history of communication. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So don't do it. Don't do it. If you don't want to know this stuff, you're in deep trouble because it's very difficult to go through sports blackout in this day and age. Certainly when there is every other sports entity that probably bid and lost on these Olympics that are all too eager to tell you what's what on a bottom-line ticker. On whatever sports update there is, yep. absolutely. So that's it's just not for me. So yeah. I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. It's just not for me. It's not for me. And it's not, you know, I mean, would I have liked to have not known whether um, Michael Phelps had won his 19th medal, right? Yes. And would I have loved to have, have, have lived that moment in real time? Of course I would have. But guess who, guess who, guess how I found out about it? Brockman's tweet. <laughs> I tweeted that he yes. had lost. Right. Well, I apologize. No, it's okay, though. But, I mean, th- that's it. Not for me. And I was watching live but go on USA. the feed. Go right. USA. Go USA. Go well, uh, uh, brother And my brother took his kids and his wife over to London. They're, they're, really? Yeah, they're going to see, like, beach volleyball behind 10 Downing Street. They're loving it. And it is awesome to see London like this. It's incredible. The, the, they're bicycling past Buckingham Palace. Have you talked, to, have awesome. you talked to Dan at all while he's over there? I have not spoken to DP. No, London. It, they're doing an awesome job. To get, it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks amazing. That's, I'm not going to lie. I'm gonna that's tr- very anti Mitt Romney of you to say no. that. Well, <laughs> I'm going to try to get down <laughs> to Brazil. I, I, my head has been stuck on ever since you said they were going to see uh, volleyball and the not new the new the new women's volleyball. They they don't they make them wear full length clothing. Now. An outrage. An absolute outrage. An outrage. Why do you think I'm watching beach volleyball? <laughs> Come on, oh. it's not for the sets and spikes. I'll tell you that. 
Hey, now. Let's get to some uh, T-shirts. Let's get to some T-shirts before this podcast goes over two hours in length. <laughs> We're having fun talking about stuff, though. Um, punters do, are people, too. T-shirts are going like hotcakes. They're um, sweeping the nation. Yes. And um, can we get that domain name? Is that? Punters are people, too. Yeah. Dot com. Yeah. Has D- been. Dot org. Punters are people, too. Dot com. Oh, dot com. Has been created. Oh. And you can go there right now to get your punters oh, are people. Breaking news here on the podcast. T-shirts. Excellent. I have decided to continue to make these things up to give away. You can get you can you can go to puntersarepeople2.com and continue to throw your name in a hopper for a free T-shirt. Remember that. But I'm getting a lot of tweets from people I, I I would buy one. And in order to keep making these things up to give away uh, let's just say the cost needs to be defrayed <laughs> before before it leaves a mark. Of course. Okay? So we are going to sell these things and also give a portion of the proceeds to the ASPCA. Oh, here it is. Good cost. The site is great. We got the Brian Anger video. Very classy. The background is the 40-yard line. I see what you did there. Yep. So you go to puntersarepeople2.com, and as you are, point, as you are uh, doing sorry. right now, you can get it from your mobile from device your as mobile well. Device. So it works on your iPhone, your iPad. It, it works. You could go there. And remember that. And, and, and you, could, you could just throw your name in for a free T-shirt. All good. If you want one on the spot, you can buy one. And remember that's 2-T-O-O. Yes, punters it's punters, R-A-R-E, people, T-O-O, just like you put in the hashtag. Of course. So we're going to continue to give these things away. And... I have made up a Kickers Are People 2 t-shirts. Nice. I've made one up. One. It's going to? To start. It's a red Kickers Are People 2 t-shirt. Yes. I know where this is and going. And I am bringing it to Canton. Yeah, you are. And giving it to Jan Stenerud. One of if three. If I find him. Right? One of three in the Hall of Fame, I believe. Kickers? The only kicker. The only. I thought... Uh, bl- I th- isn't Blanda? Well, I mean, te- uh, is he technically? Wow. I mean, and uh, uh, Ray Guy, Ray Guy's not in the hall. No, sir. That's right. He's he's a but he's down. a person. But he, but he is a person. <laughs> he's just not a Hall of Fame person. That's a big sticking point with Raider fans. Oh man, Ray Guy's not actually Rich. Stenrud's the only kicker. Punters Yon? are people too. <laughs> dot com. No, I was going to say I got a fun tweet. Uh, we were talking about the Olympics just now. Somebody wanted us to come up with a water polo players or people too. Sure. You know, I'm telling you, there are many different ways in which to go with this thing. But right now, punters are people too, and uh, and and so go punters are people too dot com to enter into. Uh, we're going to keep giving them away. I think yeah. maybe like every weekend we'll do it in advance of a of a, sure. of a, of a football Absolutely. weekend. We'll do it. You know, what we we'll should give do two or three, four away. I don't know. We'll just keep giving them away. Be, be, uh, as we'll do we'll we'll do that this weekend also. We created a um, a Twitter address too. Punters letter R people number two. Excellent, excellent. Of course we did. You know, it'd be nice if we could somehow get the tie in with our Thursday night game with the colors or something. Uh, I, 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 creating more work for ourselves. Walk. But let's I'm just walk. saying, let's walk. Let's crawl. Let's crawl. Let's walk before we walk. Yeah, and let's then crawl. Before we we're run. sitting on we're sitting on something, Rich. Well, we'll see where it goes. If people don't care about it and they don't want it, then we'll just stop doing it. So but I, 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 the the reaction I'm getting so far is ridiculous. 
So for so. a few of the winners that have already won, um, if you've been a, a, a follower of any of us or at the Eisen podcast, uh, we've we've followed you from at the Eisen podcast. Yes. Um, if you can, just send us your address and a shirt size. Uh, while we would love to take color requests, we'll, we'll try and accommodate, but uh, we'll get you what we can. And if you're a Facebook winner, um, same thing. Get on uh, Twitter and tweet us at the Eisen podcast for your address. Or if you want, you can always post your your address on the uh, Facebook thing if you're mm-hmm. okay with putting it out in the public domain. Okay. Here we go. The first Facebooker um, at from Facebook.com slash Rich Eisen, Simon Dewsbury. Simon Dewsbury, D-E-W-S-B-U-R-Y. Sounds like a, a Brit. What does he Simon sure say? Simon says, nice. How about a shout-out to your international fans here in the U.K.? Uh, been a crazy week with the Open Championship. Sent this about a week ago. Got it. Because um, you're eligible. You send it in once. You know, you could, you're still in it. You're in. Uh, and only just got around to listening to last week's podcast. Punters are people to size medium. So it's a uh, wee Simon Dewsbury. Excellent. There you go. International. There Love you it. go. That's number one. Number one. Here we go. Here we go. Another Facebooker. Another Facebooker. Um, let's see. Here we go. Fergus Hannon. Fergus Hannon. Just a simple punters or people, too. Excellent. Fergus. I say we start eliminating. That sounds international, too. We Do you know any more, any, any American-born Ferguses? <laughs> Other than Fer- Jenkins? Probably say Fergie Jenkins. <laughs> He's Fergus' son, not Fergus. Right. Fergus. There Fer- you go. Fergie? Yeah, I don't know. I got nothing. Fer- How about Fergus? Fergalicious? Yeah, no. I got there nothing. Well, he's a winner, whatever he is. What did you say, Law? You want to eliminate, you want people to have a comment on Yeah, that you got to have a comment. We, we appreciate just the hashtag, but a witty quip is always good, too. Well, it's it's appreciated. We can't make it a, no, we won't. a prerequisite. It's not a rule. Though. Actually, uh, talking about quips, uh, we had a comment today on the iTunes page that just said, great. That's it? That's it. it. Five stars. Yeah, keep, uh, keep we'll going to the it. iTunes Five page and throwing yeah. that out. Yeah, okay. Good, bad, ugly. That helps us out. Preferably good, though. Big time. Yeah. Um, okay. Can we talk about the Olympics, Rich? Uh, we're going to keep this uh, USA themed. Shout out to all our Olympic athletes competing out in London. Thank you, and keep bringing home the medals. I feel like the people are going to be disappointed in that one. I don't. <laughs> USA. It's a very what is it, what jingoistic version of international shout out. Yeah. It's a very domestic. Yeah, but they're in, they're nationalistic. In, they're interna- shout out of they're international. Shout out. How are you guys going to criticize well, yeah, me for this? We need a little more personalization no. on that. All right. Well, that is that's his. It's his. It, and he takes the slings and arrows. What were you saying, Chris? Before we? <laughs> oh no, wrap I was going to say. So uh, Sunday at Hall of Fame, you're going to be hosting an event, correct? With uh, yeah, as Horrigan mentioned earlier, it's the the round table. It's incredible. I mean, they just have one event after another, and these these Hall of Famers are run ragged. I mean, the one year that Reggie White went in posthumously, his wife Sarah White filled in, you yep. know, and represented him, and she said. Towards the end, uh, at this same event, the roundtable luncheon of the game day roundtable, she's like, for any future wives who have to do this, do not wear heels <laughs> because they run you everywhere. I mean, we sort of ran with it, Joe. They come in on Thursday. They do tons of handshake. They pretty much every enshrinee shakes the hand of every single person in Canton, Ohio, before they leave. There's Friday events. With the jacket ceremony, the luncheon, the Ray Nitschke luncheon, Saturday events, with the parade, 
Then they go probably just a couple minutes to themselves, an hour to themselves. Then they show up for the enshrinement ceremony. Then they have their party. Then Sunday, after all of this, is the roundtable luncheon in the same place where they have the Friday night jacket dinner. So they do it all again, same situation for the luncheon. And I'm emceeing that. And, and we're going to turn that into a podcast. Yep, we'll turn that into a podcast from Canton. And uh, it'll probably be up Monday, I would assume. We'll get it up as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's it's great. And it's it, it's like when, when the, the enshrinees are most uh, loose, because it's over. They've made their speeches. They've got their bust. They've got their jackets. The nerve-wracking part of the weekend is done. And it's their first full day as an enshrined member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And all they got to do is eat lunch, go to a game, wave to the crowd at halftime, and that's it. So they're through, they're through the looking glass, and it's a fun, relaxed conversation. How- Certainly wouldn't be able to have the same conversation on Friday because there's a lot of nerves jangling, and it's over on Sunday. How did so. everyone hold up last year after the, uh, the Snoop Dogg Nelly concert for Marshall and Dean? I don't remember because oh. I was out Sunday. Yeah, that's right because there was no game. There was no game. That's right. So, yeah, way to touch the third rail there, Chris. Sorry. Good job, man. Sorry. Right, but I screwed up the international shout-out. Yes, you did. Right. Don't be moping about it. You did. Just live it. <laughs> I'm not. Just, just get great. better live for next it. week. No, just I, get better, no, look, yeah, just look, get better look, for next week. Look, I love our Olympians. I love what they're doing Survive out there. Survive in so. advance. Survive just because advance. you guys are anti-Olympics. Survive in advance. Thank you, Chris Law. We'll see you in Ohio. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris Brockman. I'll be talking to you on Sunday. You got it. Go to the poll question, richeisen.nfl.com. Which would you rather do, spend the night with Erin Andrews and her sister at a swanky Adam Sandler post-premiere party, no. like Chris Law did, no. or shoot an episode of The League in a cameo role as Chris Brockman did? Go there. Yeah, buddy. Puntersarepeople2.com. You can actually buy a T-shirt now and also uh, help raise money for rescuing dogs and cats. Absolutely. Help control the pet population. <laughs> Have your pets spayed or neutered. Goodbye, everybody. Rich eyes and peace out. Stay listening.